You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and this is a conversation with Eduardo Gill. He's the outstanding guitarist and vocalist in Venezuelan, via Los Angeles-based rock and metal outfit, Sifting. The reason for the conversation is to promote their newish album called Not From Here. Let's have a listen to what Eduardo has to say. Here we go. Hello? Hello, mate. How's things? Hey, what's up, Andrew? Mate, it's uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. It's about 11 degrees Celsius, which I don't know what that converts into Fahrenheit, but for us here in my part of the world, mate, which isn't too different from your part of the world there, and uh, I know you're originally from Venezuela, mate, but our weather here is not too different from what you experienced yeah. back home, mate, so 11 degrees feels like it's negative 50. <laughs> oh, my you know? gosh. You know, that's horrible, mate. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, the dead of winter for us here, mate, but that's all good. That's all good, mate. How's things been for you, mate? Because you've got a cracking release here. It's outstanding. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, uh, I know it's hard, mate. I mean, you've got to play the music that's within your heart. So when I say it's hard, that's, I mean that when you've got a record or an album as outstanding as this one here that should really achieve a much broader audience, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, than probably what it will. You know, you're on wonderful tours with uh, Sons of Apollo. You've got all of these endorsements that you're listing there on your Facebook page. But, mate, how do you get a release such as the one that you've got here, not from here it's called, how do you get that to a broader audience? Do you, do you just keep on touring, or is there something you need to do via social media to promote it to the broadest possible audiences you can? Yeah, I would say both, uh, um we go as hard as we can on social media, and uh, of course, we try to tour everything we can. Uh, you know, touring with bands as big as Sons of Apollo, hmm. it's a huge opportunity for us because you know, expose us to a you know huge crowd, and you know, a lot of people said that we were the perfect fit. You know, uh, yeah. to, uh, the progressive, you know, vibe and everything. So. Uh, so yeah, kind of both like everything works, you know. We just try to do everything we can to put the album out, out there and get as many listeners as we can. I reckon I've got to hand you a big compliment here. I reckon it has the best sound of an album that I've heard through the last two years. So you obviously worked with uh, Ryan Williams, who I understand yeah. worked with um, the guys in Guns N' Roses when they're in Velvet Revolver. Pearl Jam, Rage Against the Machine. How did you hook up with him? Uh, yeah, we just, uh, I sent an email, you know, I I recorded with Steve Evitz, uh, uh, like a small EP. Um, you know, Steve Evitz worked with Symphony X, like he's a, he's a huge producer too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recorded an EP with him, like uh, three of the best songs of the album, Alone. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, Alone, Blowing Fire. Okay, yeah. And our paintings. And we just, like, send them to, to Ryan. Like, hey, dude, uh, listen to this. I uh, think you're going to like it. Uh, we would love to record an album with you. Just let us know. And uh, he just replied. He replied, and he was like, dude, this is amazing. Like, I, I would love to work with you guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh I usually, he's like super packed all the time with labels, with huge labels. Like he said, like, I only have like three weeks available this year and uh, I would love to do it with you. 
guys. Cool. Uh, yeah. Like he said, like he was going to go to a vacation or something, but he said like he would totally stay for that, you know, for that album. So he was like really, really cool. And uh, and yeah, we're supposed to to record nine songs, and I brought uh, like a ballad for him at the end, and he was like, "Dude, let's do it too. Like, hmm. let's record that one. I love it. My favorite one." So, so he was nice. such a great guy, man. Such a great guy, and an honor to be recording with a guy like who recorded, you know, Slash guitarist like that, like Slayer. Like, oh my god, yeah. like the pressure. The pressure is like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna record a solo. You're recording with Slash. I mean, I'm not gonna do it in one take. So it was, it was like, it's all right, man. Slash doesn't do it in one take either. No problem. No. It, <laughs> but, like, okay, cool. Did he have any stories to share with you from some of the great bands that he worked with? Any story that you feel comfortable sharing? Oh well, that would be one. Like uh, he said. Uh, he recorded with Slash, and uh, Slash didn't prepare any solo. He was just like, you know, let's just improvise and, you know, take the best that I record. You know, he was just in the studio with his sunglasses, his shades in the studio, <laughs> just like recording the solos. And uh, and they were like, and at the end, like they were recording like for 20 minutes, the solos. And he was like, okay, did you like it? And Ryan was like, oh, my God, what can I tell you, dude? You're Slash. <laughs> I love all of it. I love it. I love all of it. But, uh, you know, we got to pick one. <laughs> so I was like, all right, you guys can do that. But, you know, like he was. Yeah. That was a cool story. Yeah, I don't think Slash was ever going to be anything else in this world than a rock star. You know, he was never, yeah. never going to be working at McDonald's or something. He was always going to be the bloke out the front of a massive rock band touring the world and be a global superstar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how do you find how do you find living in LA compared to Caracas? Is it is it? I mean, you've obviously gone there because you want to take this band as far as you can, but is it as different as what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, yeah, totally different. Um, everything's different. From weather to the people to everything, you know, uh, you know the industries here, the music industries here, and uh, everywhere you go, to just you know, see music everywhere, and it's just like anyone that you could, you know, ever imagine. Like, hey, I love this producer. Oh, he lives here in LA. Oh yeah, I love this producer. Oh yeah, he lives right here by the street. So. Uh, so it's funny, man. Every everyone lives here from the industry, like most people, and uh, yeah, I, I love that. Like it's you know, I feel in my environment, my natural environment. Like every time uh, I go to Nam, like all the people I know, they are always like, "Hey, let's just have a coffee," you know, back home, mm. you know, in LA. Just you know, everyone's there, so it makes things it makes things pretty easy, you know, way easier than. Someone that's in Caracas, you know, in Venezuela, because the industry, yeah. the music industry is pretty, it's been pretty bad lately, you know, with all the situation. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the political situation has been just horrible. And, you know, people just can't, you know, record albums anymore in there. Hmm. They have to do it themselves at their own studio. And, you know, all the labels are gone in venezuela like there's no labels in there anymore so if you want to do something big 
you got to do it yourself. You just got to go out of the country. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So you've been out now since 2014, I think. Is that right? Uh, 14. 2014. Yeah, look, it's it's pretty sad what's happened in Venezuela. I mean, of course, I read the news as, as anybody can. I haven't been there myself, but uh, yeah, you can you feel for the people whenever a government sort of gets in power and stuffs things up, if you don't mind me saying. Um, you really do feel for the people because the people bear the brunt of the government's decision-making, poor decision-making. So it's uh, yeah. obviously it's good for you, mate, that you're able to uh, to 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 forge forward and with your ambitions. So what was the process for you then to leave Venezuela? I've read your bio, so I understand that you had some very dedicated and some very passionate fans. Was it as simple as reaching out to them in Los Angeles and saying, hey, look, help us out. We want to come over to LA and record some music. Yeah, just like that. Like We had like a lot of people following, you know, because uh, in 2013 or 12, um, we got a song from the previous album, and uh, the rock band game. So we had a pretty good following, you know, out of that. And uh, they were, like, expecting new music and stuff. Like, I always had, like, messages, you know, hmm. in the email. Like, hey, guys, when are you going to record a new album and stuff? And when I moved to L.A., I just replied to everyone. Hey, guys, I'm just, like, you know, I'm moving to L.A., you know, and just gonna record a new album so hang on there with me so you know like that and mm. it was you know it's it's it was pretty difficult too i mean even if i had these guys following like uh, you know starting from zero because um i didn't know anyone from the industry you know i i was by myself in here yeah uh yeah so it was pretty tough at the beginning but you know i i just i just decided to go to MI uh, music uh, school okay. here. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I met a lot of people there, like wonderful people. It helped me a lot with the process, and uh, <clears throat> and dude, I just started from zero, just go door by door. I remember uh, I went to ESP headquarters, and I just knocked the door. Like I didn't know even I, I didn't even know how to speak English well. I was just I was. I will. I went there and just like knocked the door and hey, uh, I am Eduardo Gale from Venezuela. I just moved here with my band and I've been using ESP my whole life and I would love to be endorsed by your products. I I have this and this record and everything and they were like almost laughing at me like, dude, you don't do that. Like you don't knock at ESP headquarters, you know. <laughs> say that but it's all right i'll take your information whatever yep and i just i just gave it to him and next year we went i went to nam and uh i i saw the same guy uh tony from esp and i was just like hey dude i knocked your door you know at esp last year you know i recorded this ep and everything it was like dude i remember you no one has ever done that you know what i'm gonna help you yeah, give me there give me go. send me all your info again and he yeah. revised it. He loved the album, and and yeah, I got the endorsement with ESP like that. But it was pretty tough. Like you gotta do, you know, crazy stuff if you if you want to, you know, survive <laughs> this city. So, mate, in a world full of excuses, you're not offering any. You just got off your ass, if you don't mind me saying again, and you're just doing it. And that's a wonderful story to share for people. And because I host a podcast series. 
I don't know how many musicians listen to it, but I'm a musician, and that story there is really what it's all about. So you knocked on the door, you went there, you know, you had a conversation, weren't really sure if anything was going to come of it, but a year later, chance meeting at NAM with this fellow, and something does come of it. So you've got to put it out there, haven't you? You know, you've got to have the ambition and the drive, and you've got to have the vision to think, I've just got to go there, and if I don't ask the question, I won't know. Now, it might not have come from that one meeting, but it came from a meeting the second time around. So, really, you've just got to chance your hand. Yeah. You know, you just got to make it yourself. Like, you got to make the make it happen yourself. Yeah, you do have – you've got a lot of talent, though. Okay, so when I say what I just said, you've actually Thanks. got the chops to back it up, though. So, you're not a hack, okay? The The – I can, I've seen your YouTube videos or the videos that are on your Facebook page there with your playing. So you can certainly, like so many South American guitarists, mate, you're an excellent guitarist. So is that, is that something that you, did you learn uh, guitar going through school or is, is it something that was uh, like so, so many musicians out there, is it something where you got an electric guitar early on, sort of eight, nine or ten, and you just were practicing shredding along to Marty Friedman licks or something like that? Uh, well, I uh, I started playing piano at six years old, and uh, and I just you know learned music from you know from school, but just piano. And then when I was like fourteen, I pick up the guitar, you know, and I you know I already knew like harmony and theory and stuff, and I just you know needed to take it to the fretboard and. Uh, mm. And that's what I did. Like uh, I was self self talk. Like no one, no one. I, I I never went to school in the beginning to learn guitar. And then when I was, uh, yeah, when I was nineteen, I went to school. Like MI here in, in LA, but there in Venezuela to play uh, jazz guitar. Jazz guitar. Hmm, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, I studied for four years and. Uh, and yeah, like that was that that was what I did. And then I came here to MI. I I knew a lot of stuff already, but you know, it's, it's kind of refreshing to go over again. Yep. And uh, but I just took one quarter. It was basically what I did, and what a lot of people do is they just go to MI to you know to get contact, you know, get to know people from the industry, you know, understanding how everything moves here in LA. Like, uh, MI is a great place to do that. Like, you just go there and, you know, meet a lot of people in there and just, you know, might find you might find the people. Like, er everyone in my band right now, they're all from MI. Uh, okay, uh, there you go. Yeah, the, ba yeah, the bassist, uh, I started with him, uh, Harmony and Theory, I remember, and... Uh, the rest of the guys, they went to MI, but I never met them there. I just met them like met them like uh, with someone else, like through someone else who told me and recommended me. Yep. Like, hey, this guy, you know, like just like that. So uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty good, you know, pretty good thing to do, going to school or somewhere where you can know people. Yeah, it, it's it's a, it is a really good way to uh, think about forming a band because you're around, got you know, very smart people for the most part. So you're around people that have the ambition, but they're not dumb either. 
Now, I'm certainly not saying that if you meet people through ads that you put online in Bandmix or whatever, you're meeting dumb people, but I've done that a few times and you meet a, a shitload of people, a lot of people, and uh, it can lead to pretty negative outcomes a lot of the time. But I think when you're around people who have dedicated themselves to music by going to Musicians Institute or MI and they've got a plan for themselves and they see themselves up on stage and you're, you're far more likely to meet people who are going to share your vision and who know and who are going to be prepared to sacrifice as well. They're not going to be prepared to sort of take, you know, use you as the magic carpet to take them to where they want to go to themselves for strictly personal reasons. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, that's a good thing about MI. Like, everyone there is going because they want to. It's not like law school, you know, hmm. that, oh, yeah, my dad's a lawyer, so I just ended up coming here to law school <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, hmm. I just want to make money, so I'm just an engineer. No, like, musicians, like, they know they're going to be broke, like, half of their lives, and but they go anyway to study there and you know that means a lot you know that means that all those people all those guys in there they just want to you know make it and work and do whatever it takes so mm. that's a good place to go you know mm. i like the fact that you've got a lot of merch available for people to purchase as well because uh, i speak to a lot of bands and a lot don't have even any merch at all that fans can come and support the van via. So you're giving people a lot of an opportunity, a lot of opportunities to support you. So have you got a, have you got a strategy organized there with the t-shirts and the like, do you do the designs yourself? Uh, well, I have a really good friend, a friend from uh, back in Venezuela and he's a really good designer. Uh, he actually designed the first two albums, uh, artworks and, uh, and yeah, he's been, you know, just like, hey, dude, uh, I have this, you know, I always tell him to do it every time you can, like, anytime you can do like a cool design and send it to me, you know, that would be cool. You know, I, I would buy it for from you. So he was, he actually played drums in Sifting. So he's, he's a fan, he's, and also fam, his family, you know, so he wants Sifting to make it, you know, as much as I do. So he's always like creating stuff you know for sifting to sell or something you know so cool it's been and every time we go on tour we try to you know come up come out with new merch because we know like every time you know people go to our shows they they're expecting to get you know something new because oh, i already bought that one oh, i already bought oh, oh cool i, yeah. I already bought all so every time we go on like in a u.s tour we try to you know get new merch actually this last tour we made a shirt especially for the tour with all the tour dates with oh, Sons right. of Apollo. Mm, nice. and uh, yeah yeah that's the 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 one that we sold the most for sure like always almost sold out like people loved it so so yeah that's something i would recommend to bands like try to go you know if you have like a great tour you know u.s tour or something just try to invest on that that's gonna for sure gonna come back you know and uh every time someone wears your shirt you know it's publicity for you too yeah, so. it's advertising yeah. yeah that's right and you, yes. made, you made a really good point there about the uh band t-shirts that have the tour dates on the back of them obviously being in australia we're far away from just about everywhere else and uh a lot of the time bands come down here and they don't have dedicated tour t-shirts now 
I, I watch a lot of bands, obviously, because this is what I do. And I, I make a point of buying the band T-shirts. I don't even wear them, to be honest with you. I just collect them. But it still surprises me the amount of bands that don't have the vision to reach out to a merchandiser locally or bring their own T-shirts, whatever it might be, and have the tour dates on the back. They just bring a, a standard tour T-shirt that might have the, uh, you know, the band logo on the front and maybe an image or a graphic on the back. But fans love things that are personalised, don't they, as a genuine memento of a tour or an event that they've attended. Yes, so they can say, I was there. You know, like, mm. people love that. So uh, just want to feel that, you know, I was there in that tour and this is the shirt, you know, like, I was there too. Like, I, I remember I have the Every time I, I went to a concert, like Metallica or something, I always get the shirt from the tour. So I could say, yeah, I, I went to this tour and this is the shirt, you know, like... I want people to feel the same way about sifting, you know, like you can have personalized, personalized, you know, items from the tour. That's pretty cool, you know, and mm, uh, we have our, our own picks too. We have an endorsement with uh, Intune and they always send like great picks for us, like, you know, custom. And we always like give away tons of them and the, and the shows. Mm. So and the people is always boasting about it. Like, Hey, I went to this concert last night. It was amazing. Sifting guys, you got to check them out. Here's the pick. So they post the pick. So that's advertisement to everywhere, you know? Mm. Like, uh, like, I remember past month, one of the bands that we toured with, uh, I Said to Kill, um, they're really good friends. Uh, he sent me uh, a picture. He was on tour. They were on tour in Buffalo, New York. That's pretty far away. Like mm, Yeah, other side and, of the country, yeah. It, yeah, the other side of the country, and he was like, "Hey, dude, check this out. I'm looking right now at our uh, opening band, and the guitarist has a sifting shirt. So <laughs> there, there was an opening band for them, and and the guitarist were was using the the sifting shirt. It was amazing. Like, okay. oh, that's so cool, you know? Like, I I wear like Metallica shirts when I play." you know, live. So it's it's an honor someone actually using a safety shirt to for their own concert. That's amazing. So Yeah, it means you've had an impact on them. You made an impression on them and they love love supporting the band publicly. Exactly. So yeah. that's there there you go. Like uh, uh, it's advertisement. You gotta work with merch for sure. Mm. Like uh, that's the that's one of the most important ways to, you know, to have your name out there. Indeed. Mate, do you hear very much from us down here in Australia? Do you get fans reaching out to you often? Uh, well, yeah, social media, like, all the time. Uh, after this couple of tours that we went last time, uh, it's when it's been, you know, the busiest. Uh, a lot of people has been, you know, asking about new album hmm. and uh, new, new songs, like if we're going to release a single soon. Because uh, uh, this uh, this last tour, we played uh, this, the last two tours. We played a new song from a new album. Uh, it's uh, total, totally original, and uh, and we played it, and everyone loved it in the show. Like I remember, like every time, you know, we went to the people. Like at the end of the show, they were like, "Dude, that last song, that's amazing!" Cool. Like even all. Even all fans, I remember, one of them was like, hey, I have the two albums, 
And that last song is not in, in either of them. I'm all like, yeah, it's a new song. So it's for the new album. It was like, oh my God, you gotta, you gotta record it soon and release it. Dude, it's amazing. So uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's called Critical Affair. Uh, it's one of our favorite songs and for sure people love it every time we play it because it, it has a lot of energy. Hmm. I wrote it with the guitarist Richard Garcia and uh, it was it, it, it's sounding pretty good. So people have been asking about that song specifically okay, a, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it bodes really well for the future for you guys then, man, if people are actually paying that much attention to your albums and then going along to your gigs and can recognize each one of the songs and then can pick the song that they haven't heard before. That's what happens That's to amazing. bands like Metallica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we have only two albums, but, but yeah. It's Still, it's like a great a accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it is. <laughs> cool. All right, mate. Um, how do people reach out to you? You've got a really good Facebook page. I think you've got a website, but how else can they reach out to you if they want to chat to you and also listen to your music? Uh, you can go to siftingofficial.com. You will you would find all of our music, pictures, social media in there, uh, and all the news. You know, whenever we're gonna release new album, like uh, just go there and you know uh, take a look. Also to our Instagram, Facebook page, uh, and Twitter. It's uh, siftingofficial at siftingofficial. Uh, just follow us there, Spotify too. We're everywhere. Cool. You know? Yeah, you're not hard to find. You're not hard to find at all. I found you quite easily, actually. I always do that just to sort of check how easily I can find a band and therefore support a band. And I found you guys very easily. To anybody out there listening, they're certainly available. Ah, uh, that's great, man. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since we got in into Wikipedia, it's been it's been pretty. Oh yeah. It's been easier to find sifting like it was pretty hard before but we got we got in wikipedia it's it's been pretty good now yeah that's such a that's such a massive point yeah you, you definitely clued in mate because i don't think people realize the power of it when you're in wikipedia that's that's the most widely known database of information i think globally in 2018 it's certainly yes you can talk to i mean look you know i'm from australia and you're from venezuela and we're talking about it so to not have your band in Wikipedia, I think, is will fix it, you know, but you've obviously been doing it for ages, so well done to you, mate. Yeah, thank you, man. You know. Mate, that's it. Thank you so much for the interview. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was a conversation with Eduardo Gill. He's the guitarist and vocalist in Venezuela via Los Angeles-based hard rock and metal outfit, Sifting. Thank you so much for listening.